0: Today, we are joined by Marilyn Kirby, who is a script supervisor in London.
1: In a way, I mean, Oracle sounds quite fancy, but um, yes, you're kind of the main point of contact for continuity on the set for costume and makeup and props and sometimes camera and lighting. And um, you have to be across the script. So in before filming, I have to go through the script and decide, you know, story day. So that's what takes place on what story day. So everyone knows costume and makeup wise that they should all be in the same costume for certain amount of scenes and just any notes in general on the script. And then when we start filming, yes, I take notes. Am I in normal circumstances, I'd be sitting next to the director and the producer that has changed slightly in COVID times. Um and I take notes and I, make notes on any words that have gone wrong or any continuity that is wrong, or I discuss with various departments about any continuity concerns that they have or I have. So yes, we kind of, I mean, I think the filming is very collaborative, but I'm kind of almost like the collaborative point in terms of coming to me before you go to the director, maybe. It
0: does sound like you would have to be sat right next to the director and the producer in order to do this job. And that's like, it's, it's, it sounds like a really powerful position, a really cool position. Like, are there times when you have to essentially bring the production to a standstill because Hugh Grant was about to take a drink last take, but now he doesn't have a bottle in his hands and someone on the internet somewhere is going to point that out. So if you want that on your record, keep it in. But if you don't, we need to go back and change that.
1: Yes. I mean, I, I mean, Halt, bring it to Halt sounds quite dramatic, but yes, yeah. no, obviously I have occasionally gone, hang on, that prop is missing or, or at the end of a take, he had that in the wrong hand completely, you know, and so can we do it again so we can get it in the right hand if you want that performance? And and I'd like to point out that when you watch those programs with all the mistakes, they will no doubt be pointed out, but they've been put in anyway. And yeah. <laughs> saying this out of bitterness or something I saw recently and I was like going, I told them not to use that and they've used it anyway. <laughs> oh man, yeah,
0: <laughs> Yeah, we, we know all about, unfortunately, going ahead and publishing something, even if there's maybe a mistake in it, probably more than just a, a cup in a hand or something. Um, so last I checked, there's not a, and maybe there is in the UK, but here there's not really a university that specials in like a degree in, in script supervising. So how how did you find your way into that position? I imagine it takes a pretty big film background and then, um, you know, you're try, maybe trying out different roles and you... Um,
1: well, I mean, there are different ways, actually. I mean, the way that I did, I was, when I left university, I went to work as a receptionist at a TV company. And then after a year on reception, they said, do you want to become a production secretary? So I did that. So then after that, it was, well, what do you want to do? Do you want to become like a line producer, production manager, or do you want to go down, you know, the script supervising route? And I hate dealing with budgets. So I basically, that was my... <laughs> thing to go no I'd rather be to supervisor that sounds more interesting but um I think that I know there are people I know there are courses you can do I mean I did afterwards after doing a lot of shadowing and trailing I went and did there's, there's something here called the National Film and Television School mm-hmm. and you can go into a course there which when I did it was a week and which now seems to be three months which makes me a bit nervous about what I don't know um, and there are other places like there's a place called Ravens born I think it is as well where people go and study lots of like like various film roles mm-hmm. within, you know, um crew roles so yes but yes so, so for a scripts advisor there is there are various courses you can do screen skills also here has a course and then there's this woman called Avril Rowlands who's like a legendary name who you, I didn't do it my friend did where you're going to stay with her for a week and she teaches you everything you need to know about how to become <laughs> a script supervisor.
0: that's awesome a legendary script supervisor, I love it. Yeah. Um so I was looking at your IMDB and I mean there's there's shows I watch over here. I might be unique in that. I don't know about the teenagers in the room, but you know, you've you've worked with a lot with Ricky Gervais and just a lot of comedy. Um so do you think there's a does being a, a script supervisor? Well, do you, do you lend yourself to a particular genre? Like do different script supervisors focus on different genres or does it just depend what work is available or do you work more in comedy and you become more in tune to those things or it just doesn't really matter?
1: I think me personally, I love comedy. That's, that's my thing. That's my wheelhouse. And I think I have, I think I have skills that comedy needs. But I have done occasional forays into drama. I did Criminal, which at the beginning of the year, which is much more of a drama. And I know people who only tend to do drama and then people that seamlessly go between drama and comedy, they'll just take whatever. And I, you know, depending, we're all freelancers, they're so all paranoid about work, so they mm-hmm. really do tend to take things. But I do try and keep myself in comedy more. I, I think with, I always say um slightly arrogantly but it's like that um that Ginger Rogers quote about her and Fred Astaire and she says I did everything he did but backwards and in heels (laughs) right (laughs) with comedy (laughs) I think I sometimes think that's about comedy compared to drama because with drama one drama gets more time and more money I mean certainly in this country comedy is like a poor cousin we never have enough time we never have enough money um but you've also got to think about has that joke landed so sometimes I'll say to the director, well, isn't that supposed to be a funny line? I think you might. I think we're missing the bit of that that's supposed to be funny. So you, you kind of point those things out. And I think that's what makes you maybe good in a comedy way to so be able to see where the jokes are supposed to be. So that if someone's missing that joke, you can bring it up and make them realise or make them understand the joke. Especially um, some things um, that I've done a very joke orientated and pe- especially drama actors without a comedy background because sometimes struggle to understand no no this is this will be funny i promise you when you <laughs> you know now it seems like nonsense but in the whole scheme of things it's going to work out really well
0: well i'm, I'm a little sad to hear here it's the it's the poor cousin because man i that's the only reason i have any sort of streaming subscription is the comedy that's coming from the uk so keep churning it out it's wonderful um yeah. Is there a difference on, on the show here like catastrophe? It was it looks like you joined in the second series yeah. or um um afterlife, which you were there from the beginning? Does it really matter picking up with something as it's already begun? Has has the crew used to working together? Are the crews just very fluid and, and changing all the time? Yeah,
1: the the crews are pretty fluid really. Um so Yes, with, I mean with Catastrophe, I'd watched the first series as a massive fan. So I think my main problem there was that I was very nervous, and it was a new director for me as well. So, um, but you kind of you, it is it is slightly different because you, you do have to kind of go, you kind of have to almost prep the first series as well, just to make sure that you're not missing anything in terms of the second series. Because even though actually Robin Shan wrote Catastrophe, for instance, they might f- I remember there was a whole thing about their when their baby was born. You know and you're going back but you're looking at the old scripts going but in this this makes it feel like it was then so then you, you know and so you sometimes have to do if you haven't worked on the first year sometimes you have to go back and do a bit more prep maybe just mm. to make sure that because we don't always have script editors on uk shows as such to kind of check the continuity of stuff so in terms of timelines of things so then that becomes your job as well and then but yeah so when you start out fresh it's kind of fine because then you you can like set the template but then i needed the first years of afterlife i um i didn't do the second series of afterlife i went off to do something else instead <laughs>
0: so. um is there a difference to you between working on a studio set and on location somewhere
1: um i'm much more comfortable in a studio <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I. I, um, for instance, I go back, we've unfortunately, my job got suspended for two weeks, hence I changed the time due to COVID, unfortunately, and we're back tomorrow and I'm in a park and I'll be there until eight o'clock tomorrow night and then back there again at 7.30 on Friday morning. And yes, when I think of the lovely studio we're in for the seven and a half weeks earlier this year when it was nice and warm outside, <laughs> I find it regret but there you go. Yeah, but yeah, yes, be... but no, in terms of how it works, yeah. Um, Sometimes being outside is more chaotic. You have to filter out more. We were out, we were down at the British um, Seaside at the beach in Kent. Mm. And um, one of the people that's in the thing that I'm doing at the moment show for breeders is um, Martin Freeman, who's the Hobbit. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so obviously he's got a massive following because <laughs> he's yeah. the Hobbit. And so um, you just have people watching you. And then there's people, f- Filming it on their phones and you do just and it's filtering that out or being aware. Sometimes people want to shout, Oi Martin, you know, and stuff like that, and filtering that out. You're not, you're not in your own safe space. You have to be really aware of what's going around and try not to be distracted by it, which on the whole I'm okay with. But yes, it is it is different. And actually it's really interesting now in COVID, because of social distancing, even though we are social distancing anyway, but we're really aware that we're out in the public and not everyone's getting to work right now. So we were working during lockdown. And so we have to be really careful to make it not seem like we were, you know, taking advantage of the fact that we were allowed to be out and working and free.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we have the same battles over here. We're in a, I think our lockdown ends in about five days, but yeah. Yeah we we yeah. we love the freedom aspect over here and some people like to flaunt it maybe a little too much but <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> um have yeah, <more> always issues here <laughs> yeah
0: so one of the one of the i think the most interesting projects in the last couple of years that i've seen on Netflix is this movie called Bandersnatch <laughs> and it's basically a choose your own adventure which i've seen more of now but it, it all seem to be animated like there haven't been many other, if any other, live-action choose-your-own-adventure movies that I've seen. What interesting...
1: I don't like to say choose-your-own-adventure. Should you ever speak to them, by the way? All right. (laughs) Well,
0: I'll keep that in mind. (laughs) I bet the the choose-your-own-adventure book series people don't like that either. (laughs) Um, But did that present any interesting challenges in terms of filming, or was it pretty much straightforward, and that piece of it came to life kind of after the it, fact in editing.
1: It's so funny because I get asked about Banner Snatch all the time. And I, it's a it's one of those things, I don't really know how I did it. <laughs> I don't really know. I can still remember having the meeting about it and thinking, well, it's either gonna be awful or great. I can't figure this out. And then, no, I mean, that I think one of the times when it was the most collaborative, in, we were as a team, everyone really pulled together and I think that's what's really important I think about film and tv is that is to kind of if you have a good group of people around you that want to to, I have worked on those shows where sometimes I think that department just seems to hate everyone else and that's unhelpful um whereas we really all did pull together and um just to do the best job that we could so in a way it was straightforward because it's the same thing but you always had to be aware continuity-wise, obviously, it's like, well, this scene follows either scene A, B, C, D, or E. And in A, is covered in blood, and B is not. <laughs> C has got a lump on the head. D, you know, and so it was always... And so, yes, but so I had to have... I mean, I do um breakdown. Every scene that you do, each department does a breakdown, but I do a breakdown as well, of course, of the continuity of how they should look. And um, I had to have this breakdown that said this scene follows this and this to go into this. And, you know, it was, it was much more of like a tree kind of breakdown. Mm. It's quite it like a massive document in the end. And so, yes, it, it was just a bit more involved in trying to always remember and help the director to be a bit like, okay, but do we also need to do a version where he's a bit less angry as well because the performances, depending on what he'd been yeah. through. And. If he started again for the second or third time, like going into the office and stuff like that. So yes, there was lots, but we we're all kind of there, all kind of pulling together, trying to follow this. It's it sounds um,
0: like like the best of way. filmmaking, like you were saying with teamwork and stuff. But the I I I personally love like one of those challenges present themselves. Like, all right, I've never mm-hmm. done this before. How are we going to pull this off? It just seems like yeah. if. And, and I think that's probably why you get asked about it so much. Like, it just seems like the biggest mm. headache in the world to produce. But once you break it down, and if you're more comfortable working in a tree sort of outline, then it's awesome. You can pull yeah. it off. And it was very, very cool. Um, well, you mentioned you worked with a legend and you have all this experience. So you're a great person to talk to about script supervising. What would you recommend to, like, a teenager or someone about to enter a university if this is something that they wanted to pursue? what sorts of things um, could they do absent a specific script supervising program?
1: Oh, oh, that's a good, I've not been asked that question. Oh, um, I'm not trying to discourage, but I don't think you need to go to university to do my job. <laughs> it's what I just decided in the end. That's but okay, I like when people say that. It's okay. <laughs> i also worried that everyone gets told they have to go to university and I think- we're, we're trying. We're trying to break free of that here. Yes, still good, still great, but there's other options. <laughs> yeah, I've had a great time and I learned a lot. So I think there are lots of good things about university. And also you know, I learned a lot academically as well. I mean, I did randomly, en- I, mean, I did English with a minor in film and television. And what makes me laugh is that I hated the practical course. And by my third year, because we only do three years in this country at university, I'd almost dropped the film and TV because I wasn't interested. So there you go. <laughs> um, but I think... I think my English degree helps because, you know, you're reading scripts, you're reading stories, you're following stories and you're breaking down stories. So I do think an English degree does help or maybe any kind, or maybe even a history degree, you know, anything that kind of makes you break, makes you look at something in depth and not just take the surface of it. So I think that's good. I mean, you know, I'm sure my film and TV I mean, I did lots of. I like. I was more interested in the theory when it came to my film and TV um, modules. Um, but yes, I'm trying to think. But you know, I think. I, you know, I think when it comes to university, I think anything that makes you examine something to be a script supervisor, I think it's, it's always about trying to find. For me, it's always when I read the scripts. It's always trying to, to make sure it makes sense and find the story, and just to sometimes, I do. A bit of research. I remember there was one time I was working a tiny show here it was called A Young Doctor's Notebook but it had Daniel Radcliffe and John mm-hmm. Hamm in it so it was. It went out on a channel that no one saw but it had two big names in it and it's set during the Russian Revolution and this particular it was the second series, I hadn't done the first series and the second series was set in the October Revolution it's like 1917 it's all a bit vague now six years ago and um, And I remember looking it up and going, oh, okay, this makes sense. They changed the calendar in the middle. They they went from one calendar to the Gregorian calendar or something. And I remember writing to the writers going, well, this doesn't quite, I just want you to know that you're saying this, but actually randomly, the dates change in the middle. So (laughs) this month was extra long or extra short. I can't remember what it was. And they laughed and they just put it in the script. (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and they just put it in the script and it was made me laugh, you know. And um, I still I mean, I'm still friends with one of those writers and we still laugh at the time I wrote their scene for them <laughs> because they thought it was a funny fact to have come across. But you know, that's my brain works where I like to um find the truth in things and I sometimes I get told off and told, you know, it's no one cares. And I'm like, well, I just want you to know that that's the truth of what happened, even if you're not gonna use it, even if we're gonna technically be wrong, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, anything that's like, you know, that makes you look at things slightly Analytically,
0: maybe well i appreciate that marilyn i i majored in english and history and for the first time i feel like i'm proud of what i majored in and it actually has <laughs> value out there i like the way you put that um well i guess let's move into favorites do you have a favorite um actor or actress that you've worked with um you know, I don't know if they're you were just a big fan or they were great to work with or whatever the perspective is but um
1: any? Oh I'm sure there's a few. Yeah. Oh, my mind goes blank now. I need to look at my C V. Um, who have I worked with? Who I worked with. Um I mean there's, you know, there's definitely favourites, absolute favourites. There's a there's a there's a there's an actor in this country called Jeff McGiven, who I absolutely adore. I've just I think I've known him for most of my career. He's one of those people that turns on set he's a great raconteur, he'll always tell you a story. He's in the original Ray Joe play of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. If you know that, and so, um, but, um, but he's quite. But in terms of um, like bigger actors, um, oh, oh, it's really hard. I mean, Daniel Radcliffe was a sweetheart. He was really lovely, as was John Ham. Um, oh, I can't really think, and I know there must be, but my mind has gone absolutely blank. <laughs>
0: Well, that's okay. You gave us two names. You gave us three names, so you're good.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's all right. I mean, you know, on the whole, I can, I think I'm lucky. One thing about comedy is that people tend to be really nice. And I've, I mean, I've been working in this industry, like, for nearly 20 years now. And so it's um, some of these people, you know, I'm, I'm about to do something called the second series of This Way Up, which I did the first series of. And so the star. And writer of that is someone called Ashling B, who's done some stuff in the states, I know. And and in fact, this way it goes out on Hulu, I think. But um, and she's like, she, she was, she, we became friends over our. I, I think we went through a phase where every pilot I did, she was in, <laughs> you know. And then one of my closest friends is a stand-up comedian as well, anyway. And from before, she was a stand-up comedian, and and so now I'm working on her show show, so Now it's like working with a friend. So yeah, there it is. Oh, yes, there it is. That's her. Yeah.
0: Um, And then um, whenever we are blessed to have someone from overseas with us, um, study abroad, I think, for those that go to university or college Mm -hmm. here, is something that should be on the radar if it's not. Mm -hmm. Um, And maybe you've been other places, but in terms of the United Kingdom, or London or, or anywhere in Europe or anywhere you've loved, is there anywhere you'd recommend um, checking out if you're, if we're ever lucky enough to be across the big ocean there?
1: Oh, well, you know, London is a great city. It is a great city. I love and hate it with equal measure. I love New York. I've been to New York and, and people will say to me, you love New York because you love London. So if you like New York, you'll probably love London. Like I think New York's a louder version maybe of London. Um, and, also edinburgh in scotland is a beautiful beautiful city that i keep saying i'm going to move to <laughs> i keep saying that too because that's my favorite city in the entire world it is you know well you know that it's you know <laughs> yeah i'm just happy when i'm there yes. um well uh barcelona is a great city if you're gonna go to spain you know paris is always funny i think i just find the you know I think that their semi-hatred of the English is always fun, I think. (laughs) So, yeah, I think, and Amsterdam. Amsterdam's another beautiful city, but yes. But in terms of, you know, if I was going, if I was saying, if coming to Britain specifically, I would say definitely Edinburgh, definitely London, and maybe go to Cornwall, because that has got some beautiful coastline and you might actually get some properly hot weather. (laughs) (laughs) If you're lucky. (laughs) If you're lucky.
0: Um, well, we appreciate you joining us um, and all the great advice. And I guess just to turn and look to the future, what, what do you think the future of TV is going to look like? Is the pandemic going to have a lasting impact on things? Is is going to change the way people work? Or what do you think the next few years are going to be um, for the industry?
1: Well, I think it's interesting because here – there's a lot of investment and I think Netflix has just announced more investment, you know, and so we've got Pimler Studios, which obviously have quite a famous studio it's where all the Bond films are made and Star Wars is made. And that's now been taken over by Disney. And um, I think Bond is still allowed to film now because of the history. And then there's another, and then Netflix has taken over. I think it's Shepperton, which is another big studio here. There's so much investment in the UK that, and at the moment it's so busy because we, we shut down in March this country for the proper full bells and whistles lockdown. And some people tentatively started doing stuff in July, but we didn't really gear up until kind of August. And so there's a backlog. So at the moment, you know, I think every week I get an availability check like who's available, who's available. So I, but also I think it's shown how much because that's all anyone could do was sit around and watch TV is how much people appreciated new content. So I think we're okay for going for the next few years. I think it will be busy and I'm hoping, I think there's also interesting things happening in terms of like most of the projects that I've really enjoyed whether I worked on them or not have been very female led. And and so there's been lots of like more and telling different stories. I think there's a kind of idea now that we can tell different stories. And I don't know if Michaela Coles, um, I always get it wrong around, I May Destroy You, May I Destroy You? Um, I feel like it is in America somewhere, but that is an interesting one to watch. I mean, it's extraordinary, as is um, Biddy Piper's I Hate Susie. So I think I think maybe in certain terms, television, it's got bigger and the stories are getting a bit more interesting. They're more varied.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, that's great. And... Um... We appreciate you joining with us. Best of luck on the uh, standing outside in that December cold all day tomorrow. And we'll look forward to checking out some of your stuff on streaming over here. So we very much appreciate you coming in.
1: Okay, thanks very much. Nice to talk to you.
0: Nice to talk to you. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.